Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here today. Hope you're ready to study the Bible and learn a little bit about the Bible. That's what we're here to do today is uh, help us all know our Bible a little bit better. And what we do is answer questions. We let you decide uh, what we talk about. You'll notice a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Uh, that's how you get in contact with us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we'll take your question and put it in a stack of things and get to it just as quickly as we can. Uh, but we'll get you an answer. If you email, uh, you'll get an answer a little bit quicker that way and uh, easier that way. But uh, we'll get it on the air as soon as we can. So that's what we do. Let me introduce my helpers here today. I'm Steve Tandy. we got Jeff Martin back down there on the end. Hi, Jeff. Morning, Steve. And Toby Levering here in the middle. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're both here and uh, studied up and ready to go. Uh, got one for our viewers. Always start with them, and here's your viewer question for the day. Uh, what was the name of the high priest that put Jesus on trial uh, that night when all the false trials were going on and all that? Who was the high priest at the middle of that action? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you get that bit of Bible trivia. All right, Jeff, let's get an ark question here. Tell us about Noah. I've got the first one. Why did Noah take unclean animals on the ark? Why not just bring the clean to make the earth better? So let's just start right in with the verse that this comes from, uh, and let's, let's try to find an answer here within the Bible. It's Genesis 7, 2 through 3. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. So we can tell from this verse and other verses um, that there are clean animals and unclean animals for God's people. Um, so the question here is, if there are unclean and clean animals in the sight of God, and he's going to restart the earth, uh, then why not... Uh, then why not just start with clean animals? That's actually a, a pretty good question. And the, the Bible doesn't specifically say. Uh, but I will give you a couple I, of ideas just from context. First of all, we know from this story that Noah was not in the habit of questioning God. Uh, even when God asked him to do things that were very strange uh, to, to basically everyone else at the time, when he told him to, uh, to build an ark, uh, told him to do different things. Noah did those things. He wasn't in the habit of questioning God. So the best biblical answer that I can give you uh, is because God said so. Uh, God told Noah what to do, and Noah did it. God calls the shots. It also bears mentioning that these animals were unclean for particular reasons, uh, specifically for consumption. Uh, they weren't allowed also to touch the carcasses of these animals so these animals were unclean for a reason. Um, 
but it doesn't mean that they weren't a good part of God's creation. When I say a good part of God's creation, we have to go back to Genesis, and we can see that each time God created something new, he saw that it was good. Uh, specifically, that included livestock, creatures that move on the ground, and wild animals. So within these groupings, there are bound to be uh, an animal that God created that he deemed unclean for his people for different reasons, but were good in his sight as creation. Um, so the Bible doesn't say for sure, but that's what we can gather based on our story of, of Noah and also the story of creation. All right. Thank you. Yeah, a question with another false premise. Uh, yes. it, it thinks unclean means bad. Uh, assume, the viewer assumes that the earth would be better if there weren't unclean animals. Well, there's a lot of really good unclean animals. Absolutely. That, yeah. The Jews just weren't supposed to eat them, <laughs> but they serve a purpose, and God chose to keep them around. So, yeah, good answer. And, and he he used the clean animals to as part of the worship when he came back. Yeah. He he. Uh, at the end of the chapter, it says he built an altar and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered the altering, offerings on the altar. So I think that may have been one of the possibilities of clean animals for worship purposes. Sure. Yeah. So. All righty, let's talk about doctors here. If viewer wants to know, where does the Bible say not to seek medical assistance? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Now, I know there are some people, some religions that uh, say we are supposed to just trust God, uh, that he will heal us, that our bodies can heal themselves, that it's a lack of faith to seek medical assistance and uh, all different variations of that. Uh, but it's not in the Bible. Uh, there is one verse that some people point to and try to say that's why you're not supposed to seek medical assistance. And let's look at that one. It's in Second Chronicles about an old king named Asa. And it says Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe. Uh, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And the next verse says he died. So some people look at that and say, aha, see, if he had just trusted the Lord, uh, he'd have been all right. Well, no, he, he would have died anyway eventually. Uh, we know that. Everybody dies. But that does not uh, preclude seeking medical advice. Uh, what that does is it says his problem was he didn't trust God. Uh, so going to the doctor and praying about it is okay. Uh, we should seek the Lord's help in everything. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say not to seek medical assistance. In fact, it uh, advocates, uh, talks about doctors, it talks about uh, uh, balms and uh, medicines and uh, taking things for your sick stomach, Paul wrote to Timothy. So uh, there's lots of things in the Bible that advocate it. Uh, faith is a good thing, and yes, we ought to trust God in everything. He's the ultimate healer. But He's also given us a brain and allowed us to uh, find new things and discover cures and uh, find things that work uh, and help us live uh, a better life and a little longer life. So I don't think the Bible says anything about neglecting all of that wisdom. Next question is, uh, what scripture states that, the, that we are not living under the old law, but under the new law? Uh, 
this question is probably the basis for a lot of, if we answer this and understand it, uh, it's the basis for a lot of questions that we get. A lot of misunderstandings come from not understanding the simple difference of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant uh, and, and knowing the difference between those two testaments so crucial to our understanding. Uh, you asked for a verse, so I'll give you one from Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Um, if, a, if a person wanted to try to obtain righteousness by keeping all the commands, they could try but no one's been successful at that except Jesus. And the new covenant is about a righteousness which comes from God through faith in Christ. So that's um, why we follow the new law. That's why we're under the new covenant in Christ. You may hear the term New Testament Christianity. That simply means uh, it's not that we don't believe the old. We certainly do. And it leads us to our need for Christ. It just we understand and acknowledge that we're under a new covenant in Christ, no longer required to keep all the old commands of the law because Christ did that for us. Hope that helps. All righty. Let's talk about Bible study a little bit. And uh, many of our viewers are solid Bible students and are very regular uh, students of their Bible. I talked to a fellow the other day that said he tried to read through the Bible twice each year. Uh, was his plan, and he obviously <coughs> spends a little bit of time at that, and that's good. It takes a lot of discipline and takes a little time out of your day, but there's lots of ways to study the Bible. Uh, we think we've got some tools that are helpful in that. If you'd like to get more into Bible study, uh, here's the first course we have. It's an introductory course. starts very basic. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Uh, it's a good place to start studying the Bible. Then we've got other courses that are a little more advanced or more detailed, uh, take you a little longer to get through. You can study the Bible a long time with our study tools. I also got some online courses that we think are great ways to uh, do it digitally. If you want to use your phone or tablet to study the Bible, just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and uh, get started there. They'll set you up and uh, start sending you lessons and uh, have somebody to assist you if you have questions. So great way to study the Bible. Uh, either of those work. If uh, you'd like a print course, phone number and a website are at the bottom of the screen. Use those to get in touch with us, and we'll get you started on a really good Bible study. All right, Jeff. All right. Abraham question. Yep, bit of a hard one, one I've gotten before. Why did Abraham, why did God tell Abraham, rather, to sacrifice his son? What was the purpose? Uh, and this is a common question when people come to the story of Abraham and Isaac. In fact, I was just talking to a mom not too long ago who was struggling in how to answer their child on this question. Um, so sometimes this can be hard, but many of us know this story. This was in Genesis 22, um, and Abraham has been told to sacrifice his only son whom he loves. So let's look at that. This is Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So just by reading this, 
uh, we quickly see one of the reasons that this was done, and that was to test Abraham. We see that in verse 1, specifically to test his faith. Uh, Isaac was Abraham's promised son, if you, if you read the whole story, uh, the son that Abraham was, was waiting for. Isaac was given to Abraham by God. Uh, so Abraham knew that Isaac was God's. And as hard as that is to understand, Abraham trusted God's promises and God's plan. So it was possible that God was giving us a biblical example of how far that trust in him should extend. Um, and this is kind of a harsh but true fact. This is, a, this is a rough story. Another possible reason was to show God as the provider. Uh, and we know this from reading further in the text because God provides a lamb. So if you don't know the rest of this story, he didn't have to sacrifice his son. God provided the sacrifice. And because of that, Abraham called the place that they were Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Uh, so the Lord was also shown in this story as a provider. Uh, the third possible reason, and, and all of these reasons could be true, is to show a smaller example of God's plan to provide for us. Uh, we can't imagine God asking us to do something like this. We can't imagine going through with something like sacrificing our child. Uh, but that's exactly what God did for us. Uh, furthermore, we're all unworthy to be in His presence because of our sin, but God provided the sacrifice of a holy lamb to take our place. So we know for a fact that Abraham was being tested based on the verse. We know that God was shown and is a provider. And we know that just like there was a lamb provided as a sacrifice, uh, Jesus was offered for us as a sacrificial lamb. So those are, are three of the, the, the reasons that, that this happened. All right, good answer. Let's talk about a parable here. Viewer says, explain the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, that's parables in Luke uh, chapter 18, and we'll look at a verse from there in just a moment. But uh, in brief, for those that don't know, uh, Jesus told this story, and he said there was this judge that didn't fear God. He didn't like man. Uh, and this widow wanted justice, and she asked him, and he ignored her. And she just kept coming back. She just kept asking. And finally, this judge who said, I don't fear God and I don't care about man, uh, but she's wearing me out, so I'm going to give her justice. And Jesus told that little story, and then he said, if an evil judge like that will give people what they want, uh, how much more will God bless his children? So that's the story. Now, the, when somebody says, what's the parable mean? The temptation is to make it an analogy and figure out, or an allegory, and figure out every little piece of it. Say, who's the judge and who's this and what's that mean, and get way too detailed. Parables basically just have one meaning. And Jesus told a story, and when he was done, people were supposed to say, aha, <laughs> I get this point. And luckily on this one, we don't even have to guess what it is because... Luke tells us, Luke 18, verse 1, let's just read it. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So if you want to know what that parable means, just listen to Dr. Luke. Uh, he told you before he even told the parable. He said, here's what it means. Uh, Jesus meant keep praying. Uh, don't give up. If you really want something, if you really think it's right and in God's will, keep asking. God's a good God. All right, Toby, I think. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, you were asked about this question. Some of my friends drink. Is it wrong for me to have them over for games and to try to be a good influence? Well, to answer your question, is it wrong? I don't, it may not technically be wrong. However, it may not be wise. There are a lot of things that we can do that are not technically wrong or do not violate a commandment, but they're not always the wisest course of action. So in this, in this situation, I would encourage you to do what's wise. So often, and we've seen this uh, many times in life, it's easier for a good person to be pulled down than for a, a bad person to be pulled up. I'm not sure why that is exactly. It just seems to be the nature. Uh, maybe it's human nature, just part of the world that we live in. But <clears throat> the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, it, it's just... I understand you mean well, and I understand you want to try to be a good influence, and those are certainly commendable qualities. I just caution you, it's as Scripture would, uh, bad company does corrupt good character, and so it, it can be easier. In addition to that, it can unintentionally send the wrong message. You might invite your friends over and they drink and you don't partake. Maybe someone in that group sees you inviting them over and they just assume, well, you must be okay with that. You approve of their behavior. Uh, it might hurt your influence, your example. And so we have to give thought to that as Christians. We have to really be careful because we are ambassadors for Christ. We have to think about what we do, who we're around, uh, the environments that we're in. So this is one of those areas that just calls for wisdom. I appreciate your heart and wanting to influence your friends in a good way, but be very cautious and act in a way that's wise. Yeah, yeah, good advice. And that's one of those questions where, like you said, you can't say yes or no. You can't say no, this is right, this is wrong. Yeah. Uh, there's so many variables yeah. in that. that for sure. You know, we don't know about the friends. We don't know about yeah. anything. Uh, in fact, I thought while you were answering it, we could spend a whole half hour just thinking of good options. Yeah. You know, here's, here's a way you could handle that. Uh, you know, to have some of your church friends over for a game night and invite a couple of your drinking friends and say, <laughs> now, this is a no alcohol party, but yeah. I'd like you to come. Uh, show them you can have fun without alcohol. I mean, yeah. there's lots of options, but... Uh, yeah. Part of it depends on what those friends are really like. Just, yes. just yeah. drinking doesn't mean it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doesn't tell us a whole lot. Yeah, so no. context would help on the question yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> it's, it's hard to answer those kind, but that's the basic answer: is can't say right or wrong, but might not be wise. So think about it. All right, let me invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we are kept on the air by Churches of Christ. I like to thank a few of them each week. So let me mention a couple today. Uh, Kingman, Kansas and Pratt, Kansas. Both have uh, fine groups of Christians meeting together at the Churches of Christ there. And uh, they study and think about the Bible a lot like we do here on this program and uh, want to know their Bible better and uh, worship and uh, serve God properly. Uh, so we encourage you to visit one of those if you happen to live in one of those communities. Or maybe you know somebody from the Church of Christ in Kingman or Pratt. If you do, tell them, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day and saw you guys mentioned 
I want to thank you for keeping that on the air. So visit one of those. Uh, if you live in Pratt, go here, Brother Steve Triplett, preach the word. Great uh, young man, preacher of God. I know you'd enjoy being with those folks there. But uh, whatever community you live in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. I invite you to visit one of them and uh, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, I think Jeff's got another one here. What's... Um, mine asks, will there still be different languages in heaven or will we all speak the same language? Uh, I'd never thought about this question before, but as I studied it, uh, I came to the realization that there are there's a lot of doctrine out there about uh, heavenly languages, uh, but the Bible itself doesn't have anything to say specifically about what language will speak in heaven. Um, there are many people who, who take a small verse in 1 Corinthians and expound on it, uh, and that's uh, when Paul references the tongues of angels in 1 Corinthians 14. But if you look at the context of that verse, it has much more to do with the emptiness of our actions without love, even if our actions are supernatural actions, the emptiness of them without love than it does about a specific heavenly language. So uh, biblically speaking, I don't know. Uh, we might all have a new heavenly language. We might speak in the tongues of angels. Uh, but to say that the Bible teaches that is going a bit beyond Scripture and context. <laughs> yeah, that's another one we could talk about for a long time and never come up with the answer. Nope. <laughs> While you were answering, I thought, I bet we're going to speak the language that Adam and Eve spoke you know, before Babel. We might. Yeah. Because God confused the languages to disrupt the unity, so <laughs> we'll probably go back to the unity language. That's possible, yeah. And nobody can argue with that, by the yeah, way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we might understand all languages. We might. We might just have a translate function that we hear everything in our own language. I think God can do whatever He wants. Absolutely. I okay. agree with that. Next question. Uh, let's talk about uh, divorce a little bit. Bible wants our viewer wants to know. In Bible times, the government had no involvement in recording marriages or divorces. Uh, so, how did they get a divorce? Well, uh, I'm not sure the premise is exactly right. Uh, I think every society, every uh, tribal society, uh, even without a, a functioning government, has some kind of government. They've got some kind of societal rules uh, that here's the way we do marriage and here's the way we do uh, the ending of marriage or whatever. So uh, I think even though there weren't governments like there is today where you got to go to the courthouse and sign papers and there's lawyers and, and all that, I think every society has some kind of societal standard that people had to follow. So that's probably how they got a divorce if they did back in those days. Now, the other thing wrong with the question is that uh, under the old law, the law of Moses, uh, there was a, uh, can't think of the word, but a pro pro provision, that's it, a provision uh, for divorce. And uh, that is found in Deuteronomy 24. Let's mention that one. Deuteronomy 24, uh, talking about if a husband is displeased with his wife, if she's done something wrong that qualifies, it says he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. 
so that was the procedure. They had to write a certificate, a letter that said, I'm divorcing this person. And we know from history that the reason God allowed that provision uh, was as a protection for women uh, in those days. Uh, in fact, this argument was still going on when Jesus came is, uh, what can you divorce a spouse for? And one party said, well, only for adultery, only for fornication. The other party said, well, for anything. Uh, if she burns a toast, you can divorce her. So that argument was going on, and God allowed this law to protect women. If a husband threw her out uh, for a wrong reason or a minor reason, uh, she was in a lot of trouble. A, a woman who had no husband to support her in that society couldn't get along very well. Uh, so she got to take with her a paper that proved that she had been officially divorced so that another man uh, could take her into his care or something like that. Uh, so it wasn't a, 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 an approval of divorce. It was just a protection uh, for women in that ancient society. So whatever society there was, uh, I think probably had provisions for divorce. And no matter how primitive the society uh, somebody, the chief of the tribe or somebody said, yeah, that's all right, or no, that isn't. Uh, so uh, don't need quite as much government as we got probably to handle most things. So uh, they got got it taken care of somehow. All right, we're out of questions for the day, but uh, we've had some good ones, and uh, we've got uh, a Bible course that we talk about a little bit each week. Uh, but let me just mention that again because I've run into people out in public that say, uh, I'm going to take that course someday. Uh, I see you advertise it, and yeah, I'm going to start that someday. Uh, well, I'm not sure they ever got around to it, but uh, today would be a good day to do that. Uh, starting something is uh, the, the way to get things going. So give us a call, log on to the website, say, I want that course, and just try it out. Uh, you'll get one, the first one in the mail is all about the Old Testament, and that explains who wrote the Old Testament, how long it took to write it, uh, the general sweep of history, and then the second one's about the New Testament. And by the time you're done with those two, uh, you understand the difference. And then you can start to study the Bible in a whole new way. In fact, Toby had a question, I think, that mentioned that uh, today or maybe last week. Uh, that said, if you just understand the difference between the Old and New Testament, uh, you can answer a lot of your own questions. A lot of the questions we get on this program are because somebody's found something in the Old Testament and wonder if we still have to do that today. Uh, no, nope, Old Testament and New Testament are different, and that's what that course introduces you to right off the bat. So uh, sign up for the course, or the, that online course is great, too. It does the same kind of thing helps you know your Bible better. All right, we're glad you've been with us today, but we got to answer a trivia question before we go, so let's do that. Uh, what high priest put Jesus on trial? And a little bit of a trick question because there were a couple of high priests in those days. Uh, the one that Jesus was dealing with mainly was Caiaphas. Uh, there was another one called Annas, but uh, Caiaphas was the one that was in charge of the trial. Uh, spoke directly to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to him. 
Uh, you can read all of that story in Matthew 26 and find out about who Caiaphas was and uh, how all that worked. All right, we're out of time today, but we're glad you've been here, and we're going to come back next week, try to answer some more of your questions, so we hope you come back then. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.